Well, good morning again. We're going to be spending our time in Exodus chapter 14. So get your Bibles ready, turn them on, turn them there. We're going to be looking at Exodus chapter 14 this morning. Again, I'm excited that you're here. As we come to the conclusion of 2013 and as we plow ahead to 2014, it's hard to believe another year has, has gone by. You know, I, I think sometimes, especially this, this week or the next few days, we're going to look back at, at 2013 with maybe that, that what if. Like, what if I would have made that decision? What if I would have taken that step? What could be? What could have happened in my life? That's kind of normal. That's an, a thing that we oftentimes do, especially this time of the year. We ask ourselves the question, what if? If I just would have, have done that. And we look back at these moments with regret. We look back at, with frustration, with disappointment. And that's kind of a normal thing. But I think at the, the root of that is the issue of fear. I think when, when we're up against it and we know we have to make a decision and we never do, it's not because uh, we didn't necessarily have the time, and that, and that could be a reason. It's not necessarily that we procrastinated, that we said, hey, one of these days, is, and it never turns into one of those days. It just keeps on putting, pushing off and pushing off. I, I don't think that's the reason. I think the reason why we never plow forward, and the reason why we never take new ground is because we're riddled and we're paralyzed in fear. We're afraid to move to that next area. We're afraid to take new ground because we're uncertain of what that new ground may, may look like. We're afraid to, to step out. We're afraid to do what the Lord is telling us to do because we're just, we're scared. We're afraid of uncertainty. You know, I think we're not much different than the Israelites. The Israelites were up against it. They came to a point. They left Egypt out of 400 years of slavery. Moses shows, on, shows up on the scene and goes to Pharaoh and says, let my people go. It's time for us to leave. And after 10 plagues or so, uh, Moses gets the people to leave and they go to this place, the Red Sea. There's mountains on either side and now they have no place to go because now the Egyptian army is coming after them. They realize, wait, 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 if we let them go, our economy is going to falter. If we let them go, we're not going to be able to do the things that we need to do. So go back and bring them or kill them or just bring back their young. I mean, we, you can't, they can't win. And they're at this moment, the Red Sea, the army's coming, they're trapped by the mountains and Moses is telling them to walk into the Red Sea. They're trapped. They're full of fear. They're not willing to take the next step, the next risk in their life. If you think about it, I mean, life is full of risks, right? I mean, everything that we do has an element of risk to it for the most part. If you take an inventory of your life, I think that you would be shocked by the amount of risks that you actually take in a day. I mean, if you think about the big risks in your life, um, choosing a college, that's a big risk. Choosing a career, that's a risk. I mean, you hope that this career will sustain you for your life, but the truth is you don't know if this is going to make money 10, 15, 20, 30 years from now. Choosing a career is a risk. I mean, getting married is a risk. It's true. I mean, I, I loved my wife. I, I, I loved her, and I, I knew that this was God's will, but there were still some things that we didn't know about each other, and, and getting married is a, is a risk. You take that step and that, that moment of risk when you get married. Think about it even today. You drove through on a freeway. That was a risk. Whether you think about it or not, driving on a freeway is a risk. Sitting in the chair that you're sitting in, you don't think about it this way, but it's a risk. 
eating fast food. That's, that's a major risk that you take. We don't think about it that way, but it's a risk. Everything that we do, I think, it's is come to that moment of risk. And, and I'm, today, I'm not going to talk. I'm not even going to talk about uh, what, what those little risks are. You know that. But I'm talking to some of you, most of you, I think all of you. I'm talking to you, and you know that risk, that, that decision that you need to make. That decision that you've been putting off time and time and time again. Maybe it's a group of decisions that you know you need to take, but you're paralyzed in fear. The uncertainty is caving in around you. And instead of moving forward, instead of plowing ahead, you are paralyzed and you're riddled in fear and you go back to what's comfortable. It's exactly the story of the Israelites. Exodus chapter 14, listen to this. This is, this is verse 11. We'll just begin this. This is when they're at that moment, they're at the Red Sea, everything's around them. This is what they said to Moses. Moses, weren't there any graves in Egypt? Did you have to bring us out here in the desert to die? I mean, look, what you have done by bringing us out here and out of Egypt, look what you've done to us. I can't believe that you would... Let us come, even though they were for it and they were cheering them and they were excited to leave slavery. They get to that moment of uncertainty where they have to take that next step of faith and they begin to blame. Moses, I can't believe that you would do this to us. Didn't we tell you before we left that this would happen? No, no they didn't. But now it's convenient and it's easy for them, so they're going to pass the blame. We told you to leave us alone and, and let us go on being slaves of the Egyptians. It would have been better to be slaves there than to die here in the desert. We can relate with them. Fear does three things, just like the Egyptians, or just like the Israelites. Fear, fear does three things to us. Number one, fear makes us incredibly skeptical. When we're full of fear, we become a skeptic. Look at, look at what they said. They said, did you bring us, Moses, out here in the desert to die? Right? When we're afraid, we begin to doubt. We begin to doubt others. We doubt ourselves. But sometimes we begin to doubt God. When fear comes in and, and we know we need to take the next step, but the uncertainty is there, we begin to doubt. We become sarcastic and we begin to pass the blame. No, no, no. Uh, instead of somebody else, we become cynical at its root. A study has shown that cynics at their root, their problem is that they're full of fear. We're just like the Israelites, aren't we? When we're full of fear, we become skeptical. Oh, maybe this wasn't the right plan. Then I've done all of this and it's led me to this point. Maybe this isn't where we should, we should be. It makes us skeptical. Fear also makes us selfish. Isn't that true? Look at the Israelites. <laughs> they, they said, they, they totally passed the blame. They said, look what you've done to us. All they could focus on was themselves. You know, we're afraid, we pass the buck, we accuse everybody else, and we excuse ourselves. We don't want the responsibility because we're full of fear. We pass it to somebody, oh, you do it. You, oh, I know that's a decision and I can make it, but you, you make it. I don't want people to look at me that we pass the buck and we're full of fear. That's, that's what we do, just like the Israelites. Not only that, but number three, we, we become stubborn. If I land anywhere, this is where I land. When I am fear, ask my wife, when I'm full of fear, 
I become very stubborn. I want to go back to the way things used to be. I want to go back to the good old days. And that's exactly what the, the Israelites were saying. They said, did we not tell you before we left that this would happen? We told you to leave us alone. It would have been better for us to be slaves in Egypt than to die here in the desert. They wanted to return to a place. Think about that. Well, they had no hope. They had no future. They were beaten every day. They wanted to return to that life than to be at that moment where they had to choose. They had to choose faith. But aren't we just like them? Maybe God's been speaking to you and you know there's a decision that you have to make. But you're full of fear. And oftentimes that fear leads you to be a skeptic. You become stubborn. You become very selfish. And instead of taking new ground, instead of moving past and, and taking that next step, we retreat into our fear. We return to what's comfortable, to what we're used to. I think we're a lot like the Israelites. This is what I know. I don't think any of us in this room are saying this. Hey, 2014, I want to be a person that's a skeptic, that's stubborn and selfish. I don't think that's what you're saying here this morning. I think that you would rather say, you know, I want to be a person of faith. I want to be a person of courage. I want to be a person of boldness. I believe that's what you're saying this morning. I think the best of you. There's a game plan. There is a blueprint that is written of how we can move away from um, stubbornness, from skepticism, from selfishness, and how we can move to a person and a woman of faith. How we can take new ground. How we can move beyond all this, the, the fear that, that we feel, that we can move to the next level where God wants us to be. Rick Warren came up with a five-step plan. This is an old sermon that he preached a long time ago. I, I heard this when I was in seminary, and I wrote these points down, and it's in my journal. And every major decision that I've ever um, made, I've always gone back to these next five points that I'm going to share with you. I've adopted these. The study is my own, but these five points come from, I believe it's Rick Warren. Listen to what he tells us. If we're going to move away from, from fear, if we're going to move away from, from anxiety, if we're going to move away from uh, frustration and disappointment to become a person of, of faith, boldness, and courage, that there's five things that we have to do. These are really simple. The first thing is this, that if we're going to be a person of faith, it begins with information. It begins with information. That we have to become a man or a woman who gathers information. Th this is what I mean. Proverbs 13, 16 tells us this. That every prudent, that's an old-fashioned word for just smart, wise, every smart man acts out of knowledge. He knows what he's doing. She knows what she's doing. Proverbs also tells us to get the facts at any cost. See, anything that requires faith has an element of risk to it. Anything that requires us to step out and actually take, take some ground and have some uncertainty requires that it's going to be a risk. It's just the way that, and if we're going to become a man or a woman of faith, we have to first gather some information. God doesn't want us to take silly risks. He wants us to be well-educated. He wants us to understand the cost before we do it. So when you're going to make a major decision, when you're going to make a decision that involves a risk, get a mentor. Attend a seminar, attend a conference. Find out who's gone before you, how they've done it. Find out who's had the same problem and how they overcame it. Get a couple in your marriage relationship to begin to coach you and to mentor you and to, to help you through it. 
I think of our story. Two years ago, Amanda and I understood that God was calling us um, to Indianapolis. We didn't know anybody here. We just had this calling and as clear as day to us that God was calling us to Indianapolis to plant a church. I didn't know anything. So you know what I did? I just got on the phone and started scheduling meetings with local pastors, local business leaders, local um, politicians, asking them, picking their brain about everything Indianapolis. We went to the south side, to Cinder Grove, Greenwood, to Avon, to Brownsburg, all the way around. And, and we came here to Heartland and, and met Pastor Darren and began a friendship and began to mentor me and began to coach me at different things that we should be looking at and, and doing. Before I made a declaration, before I initiated anything, I tried to gather as much information as I possibly could. Become a student. Learn everything you can learn. Gather information. Number two, if you're going to be a man or woman of faith, it's not just gathering information. That's good, but now you have to do the evaluation part of it, the evaluation phase. Take the information and begin to count, count the cost. Think about this, right? Uh, Jesus said this in Luke chapter 14. This is, just listen to his words. Don't begin until you count the cost. Who would begin construction of a building without first getting estimates? Or what king would dream of going to war without first sitting down with his counselors? And then Jesus continues that thought and says, what king would go to war without first understanding what he's up against? How many uh, people are in the other person's army? No, No king, that's a rhetorical question. Nobody would do that. But oftentimes, we just think we have a great idea, and we just go for it without the proper evaluation, without the proper thing that needs to be done in our life, taking the time to analyze. We need to analyze the cost, analyze the emotional energy, analyze the relational energy that we're going to spend. Everything that goes into this risk, to this next step, we need to evaluate. We need to analyze it. Listen, listen to this. This is an incredible, an incredible verse. Proverbs tells us this, the wisest man who ever lived, Solomon, listen to what he said. It's a trap to dedicate something rashly and only later consider his vows. You know what he's saying here? It's always easier to get into something than it is to get out. It's easier to get into debt than it is to get out of debt. Isn't that true? It's easier to get into a relationship than it is to get out of a relationship. It's easier to start a business than it is to see that business fulfilled and and then to end that business. It's always easier to start something than it is to end something. That's just a common thing of life. That's just what we say. And, And Proverbs is telling us, hey, but before you just start something, you need to consider it. Before you enthrone it, Understand if you could dethrone it. It's an important principle to learn. We have to evaluate, and many times we miss this. We gather the information and we understand it, but we never evaluate the cost that it's going to take. Evaluation is critical. But only that, number three, it's preparation. Preparation is the next step. I told you these were simple. Preparation. Proverbs 14, 15 tells us this. A prudent man gives thought to his steps. A prudent man gives thought to his steps. He thinks where he's going. 
Before he builds a house, he gets estimates. Before he builds a house, he looks at a blueprint. A wise woman, before she jumps into something, understands the cost. She is prepared for anything that could happen. That's the preparation phase. This isn't taking away from faith. This is actually building upon faith. Because there's two elements to faith. Listen to the next verse, Proverbs 16, 9. It says, we should make plans, counting on God to direct us. There's two phases. We make the plans, but God ultimately directs us. They go hand in hand. You can't have preparation without prayer, and you can't have prayer without preparation. They go together. I think about our story. We were on our way to plant a church in Noblesville, West Noblesville, and we understood through the preparation phase that, hey, there's an opportunity to do way more together than I could ever do alone. And Pastor Darren Hartland is inviting us to be a part of this and to do things together. The calling is still the same. The end result of planting a church is still the same, but the way in which it will be done will look, will look different. We've made the plans. we got the information, evaluation, and preparation, but God ultimately directs us. That's how God and his system begins to work in and through us. There's human responsibility. I hear people say, oh, Jared, I, I don't make plans. I don't set any goals. I mean, I don't do any, I just live by faith. That's not faith. That's presumption. That's silly. That's foolishness. The Bible says this, that, hey, God directs us. We have to make our plans. We have to put action behind the thought that he's given us. We have to step out and do it. Hand in hand. Preparation is key. We prepare for the worst. We prepare for the best. That's the preparation phase. It doesn't take away from your faith. It builds to it, adds to your faith. So after you do those three things, you get the information, you understand what God's telling you, you understand that next risk that you have to take, that Red Sea moment for you. After you evaluate it, you count the cost and you prepare, the next thing to do is it's time to, it's time to let people know about it. It's time to declare what you're doing. You know, declaration is critical. When I declare the plans that God has for me, when I declare that Red Sea moment, when I believe God's calling me to take new ground and take that next step, it does, it does three things. Number one, it keeps me accountable. I have an accountability partner that I talk to every single week, and he, we have different things. That, here are the goals for me, and he keeps me accountable to those goals. Accountability, it's critical. You know, so many people um, don't do well with, with weight loss goals because they don't tell anybody about it. They just want to keep it private. And then two, three, three weeks later, they're not even doing it anymore because they haven't told somebody about it. Or people that want to stop smoking, they haven't told anybody about it. I'm telling you, to break a habit, to, to take new ground, to, to go to that next level, you need to declare, you need to tell somebody about what God is asking you to do in your life. Keeps you accountable. Keep you accountable, but it's also a, a catalyst for growth. You know, when I begin to tell people about what God's doing in my life, I say, hey, you know, this, this year I, I'm going to try to eat, eat healthier. This year I'm not going to try to eat as much, much fast food. You know what oftentimes it'll do? Well, that's a great idea. I think I'll, I'll do the same. It begins this catalyst for growth. Other people get on board, not just for 
simple things like that, but say, hey, you know, this year, um, I'm going to do this in my life. And it begins to spur things on for other people. And that's the idea. When we um, go public, when we declare it, it's, it's an opportunity to create change in other people. But not only that, it builds your faith. It builds your personal faith. I mean, James tells us that. James, the half-brother of Jesus, says that your tongue is like a rudder on a ship. That it has the power to move things and move that ship, whether for good or whether for bad. But he's telling us that it has the power to change things. It builds your faith. When you declare it, when you decide it to be, you can speak it and it can happen. You can declare it to be. So here's what James, I have to learn Jesus, John, James 4, 5, 15 tells us this. What you should say is this, that if the Lord is willing, we will live that, live and, and do this or that. That's the idea here, that when we come to the opportunity to declare, if the Lord wills this, we're going to do this or that. That's, we just make that public, we, we let people know. We declare it. It's a critical step in building a life of faith. Not only that, this is the last point, and this is where the rubber beats the road. This is where we're going to spend most of our time this morning. After we've done all of those things, that preparation phase, the fifth thing what we have to do is this. It's, it's time for initiation. It's time to let go, and it's time to make it happen. This is the hardest. It's easy to get information. It's easy to analyze it's easy to prepare. It's even easy to tell people about it. The hard part is actually doing it, launching out. You know, that's why I love the mission statement of Heartland Church. Love people well, lead them, and we launch them. We're building people of faith to launch out, to, to take new ground, to start more small groups, to get on board and, and start new churches, to take steps of faith, launching people out. There comes that moment when we have to make that decision. There comes that moment when we, that there's no turning back. I think, of, I think of Peter. He was in the boat and he saw Jesus walking and Peter wanted to walk on water and said, Lord, bid me come to you. And Jesus says, well, get out of the boat and look at me. And do you believe, Peter? I believe. Do you believe? I believe. I believe. He, was, he would never be able to walk on water, to take that step of faith, unless he, what? Unless he got out of the boat. John Ortberg wrote a great book about this, about this idea that if you, wanna, if you want to walk on water, you've got to get out of the boat. If you want to take that next step, you actually have to take that next step. It's one thing just to think about it. It's one thing just to process it and analyze it and, and tell somebody about it. It's time that we take the next step, the moment when we can't return. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I'm not a huge fan of roller coasters. Not my favorite thing in the world. In fact, how many of you have been to Disney World or Disneyland? You've been in Space Mountain. That's kind of a famous one. Or you've been to Cedar Point and you've been in the, the tall ones. Now, I, I'm one of those people that will go with a group of people and the pressure is on me to ride. I don't want to be the person who holds the bags. That's no fun. So I'll go and I'll get in the lines and I'll, I'll wait with people as as. We do this, and I'm hoping the whole time that I'm in there, this thing's going to break down. If I'm going to spend an hour and a half, and, you know, we're just hanging out, having fun, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that it's going to break down. And those warning signs, I get a little bit excited. The warning sign says, hey, if you have a bloody nose, I'm praying, oh, maybe I, I should have a bloody nose. Don't ride this ride. If you're pregnant, don't ride this ride. Like, 
You can't help me with that one. <laughs> if you have a bad back, please don't ride this ride. And the list goes, all these warning signs. And after every warning sign, there's that opportunity, right, that detour to, to walk out nonchalantly. If I was by myself, I would walk out nonchalantly. If I'm with my friends, I, I'm not a chicken. And I can do this. We say, we say at the 200-fit range. I don't go to the high ones. It's where we spend. That moment comes. They click you in. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. And that chain begins. <laughs> there's, you, there's no turning back. You cannot leave that moment. You are going over the hill. And the next thing you know, you're halfway through, like, that wasn't so bad. All that anxiety that I build up, that isn't so bad. Look at the children of Israel. They're at that moment, the Red Sea. The mountain's on either side of them. It's a moment of, they, they can't turn back. If they turn back, they're going to be killed. The Egyptians are coming after them. They've got to go. And Moses says, hey, I'm going to lift up my rod Wade into the water and watch and see the water part in front of you. I just picture this. There's no biblical reason for this. I just, this is the way I picture it to be. But as they began to walk, the water just in front of them began to move. It was constantly the next step of faith, the next step of faith, the next step of faith. Eventually they got to the other side. But it was that first step of faith saying, what, you want us to do what? To walk into that? And you know what they did? They went back right to what was normal for them. Oh, we should have been left in, we, we, in, in Egypt. We don't want to do that. We should just continue to be slaves and have no hope and no future and, and no dreams for our children. We should just continue to do that and build somebody else's economy. And I know that this is the promised land and this was given to us, but this is just too hard. We have to take these steps of faith. We should never do that. Let's just go back to what's normal. I, I think we're just like them. We know what we're called to do and asked to do, but we want to go back to what's normal. We go back to that relationship that we know we shouldn't be in. We go back to that habit that is not beneficial. In fact, it's devastating us, destroying our confidence, destroying any hope that we have in a good future. But we go back, just like the Israelites, to things that are comfortable to us instead of taking those steps of faith. We go back. The opposite of fear, the opposite of regret and disappointment is faith and courage. I think it takes courage to, to move against what we're afraid of. That's faith. When we know we're afraid of it and we are uncertain and we still step out. I mean, that's courage and faith working together to bring us to that next level beyond anything that we could ever imagine. Just like the Israelites when they got to the other side of the Red Sea and, and just as when you're getting off that roller coaster and you see your picture and you realize you actually have a smile on your face, you realize that through this circumstance... Through that time in your life, you actually experience joy and you actually experience in God doing something bigger than you ever thought when you step out in faith. Psalms tells us this. That's what David said. 
I read it earlier, but it says, when I'm afraid. Now, I don't think having that emotion of fear is necessarily wrong. It becomes a problem. It, it trips us up when we allow the cynicism to, see, to, to seep in and we allow it to, to control us to be sarcastic and stubborn and selfish. That's when it controls us. But being afraid is just a, a normal emotion. But when I'm afraid, David says, I will put my confidence in God. Yes, I will trust the promises of God. Even when we're at that Red Sea moment in our life, and we know we need to take that next step, and fear is all around us, we can have the same prayer as David and say, listen, I'm afraid I'm giving that to you, but I put my confidence in you. I put my confidence in your promises that you will never leave me, nor will you forsake me. That there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. That I have the strength to face all conditions by the power of Christ that you've given me. We can walk over that line. We can step into that place of faith because of the promises that we have in God. We don't have to live a life of fear and disappointment and frustration that we're able to step forward in faith. Listen to Moses' reaction. I think this is just, just a fascinating way that he, that he concludes this. This is Moses' reaction to the children of Israel. After they complained and after they're full of all those things, he, he says this in verse 13, then I'm going to put verse 15 on the screen, which is the verse I want to focus on. He says this, don't be afraid, stand your ground, and don't be afraid, I mean, don't be full of cynicism and stubbornness and selfishness, don't do that, stand your ground, and you will see what the Lord will do to save you today. You will never see these Egyptians again, you will never see the enemy again, you will never feel that frustration again, you will never feel that sense of anxiety again. The Lord will fight for you. All you have to do, he tells them, is to keep still and trust in God. And this is what the Lord said to Moses. Look at verse 15. The Lord said to Moses, quit praying. <laughs> Stop talking about it. And get the people moving. Forward, march. I have a two-year-old at home, smiling, because many of you are, you feel my pain. She's a great kid, honestly, but she's going through that misindependent stage. It's mine. I do it. The other day, we were downtown Indianapolis and just doing some shopping, and we had a stroller out, and we're walking into the different department stores and into the mall, and she did not want to sit in that stroller. So we walk into this department store, and she did not want to sit there. I didn't even want to fight it anymore. It was a long day, and I'm like, fine, just do what you want to. And parents are looking at me like, why is your kid running around? And I'm like, parent of the year, I get it. I don't care. If you understood what I was dealing with today, you'd let your kid run around too. She's there just having a time. She's, she's a good kid. She's not making a mess. She's just, she's just busy. She was busy doing something, and I said, Gianna, it's time to leave. Let's go. Go, Daddy. I stay. I play. Gianna, let's, let's go, sweetie. It's time to go. We, it's time for us to leave. No, no, Daddy. No, Daddy. I, I stay. I play. They've been teaching her in daycare. Her teacher. I love her teacher. She has taught Gianna the word march. 
Gianna loves the word march. Gianna stops whatever she's doing and she just begins to march. March, march, march. She got this idea. I'm in this department store and I said, Gianna, march. She dropped what she was doing. March, march. It's a wonderful thing. People are looking at me thinking I'm a drill sergeant and I'm like, let's do this. We went to the counter, we paid for our stuff and we marched all the way to the car. March, march, march. What are you playing with? I mean, what are you so focused on that has all of your attention? It's time for you to just march. To stop giving in to those same things that continually trip you up. What, what, what is your Red Sea this morning? Let's just get personal for a second. What is your Red Sea this morning? To that relationship that you have to end. People have been telling you this over and over and over again. Everybody sees it. You keep on going back. You keep on going to what's comfortable. Maybe it's that habit. You cannot break. You want to. Man, you really want to, but keeps on getting the best of you. Keep on going back. Couple, maybe it's time that you just admitted that you need some help. Maybe that's your Red Sea. Maybe the marriage isn't where it should be and you're frustrated and maybe it's time just to admit it. Go get help. Maybe that's your Red Sea. Maybe your Red Sea is forgiveness. Maybe you have someone that you need to forgive. And you're not. I, I believe I'm speaking to somebody this morning. Let me just tell you, forgiveness... It doesn't put them in prison, it puts you in prison. And this morning, it's time. It's time to extend forgiveness. It's time to take new ground. It's time to part that Red Sea. Maybe you need to forgive yourself. Maybe you're carrying some guilt and shame in your life. and Maybe it's time. What is that Red Sea this morning in your life? You know, maybe you're saying this, well, Jerry, I, I can't do that. You don't understand. You don't understand the conversation that would be had. And you don't know if I told my boss really what I, what I thought the future could look like. You, you don't know. That's a huge risk. I can't have that conversation with my wife or my husband. You don't know what that would mean. I can't ask for help. And maybe you're even in this room and you're saying, Jared, I... I can't step over that line of faith. I, I, I know I need Jesus, but I'm afraid of what that will mean for me. I'm afraid of what I'll have to give up. I'm afraid of what that would look like. Maybe he'd call me to plant a church. Who knows? You're, just, you're playing these things over and over in your mind. Listen to what David said. Even when I'm afraid, I can put my confidence in a heavenly father, in a God whose promises are sure. 
we don't have to live in fear. We don't have to live in anxiety and worry and frustration and disappointment. That this year as we plow ahead, as we take new ground, we can be a man or a woman of faith and boldness and courage and do more than we ever thought we could do. Take new ground. It's time to take the next step. Will you pray with me this morning? The head's bowed and your eyes closed. I'm going to lead us in a prayer of dedication. I believe some of us in this room this morning just need to spend a moment in dedicating this new year as we move forward, this, dedicating this new year of faith to the Lord. I believe that nobody in this room wants to live a life of skepticism, frustration, regret. And you need to pray. Pray this. Say, Lord, you've said that you want us to live by faith and not by fear. And you've mentioned in your word, say this, that it is impossible without faith to please you. And just admit the fear that you have. Admit that you're afraid. And tell him exactly what you're afraid of. He already knows, but just tell him. And commit and say, December 29, 2013 is the day I live by faith. I will no longer allow the fear to control me. I will no longer allow the fear to tell me how to feel. That today I live by faith. I believe many of you are praying that all over this room, dedicating this hour to the Lord. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed this morning, maybe you've never invited Jesus into your life and you need to take that next step of faith. If that's you, say this. Say, Lord Jesus, I put my trust in you this morning. Take away my fears, my frustration, my guilt, my shame. Fill me with new life and new faith that can only come from you. I give my life to you. I hold nothing back. The Lord is working in hearts. He is moving. We are moving against fear. We are taking new ground. 2014 will be the year of new faith for many of us. We give this moment to you. Will you stand with me all over this room? In just a moment after my prayer, our team is going to come back and, and we're going to sing again. And as we sing that song, our prayer partners will be all aligned the front here. And we want to pray with you. If you just made that prayer of dedication, or maybe you're in the room and, and you just prayed that prayer of uh, to give your life to Christ for the very first time, our prayer partners will be all down for it, and we want to pray specifically for you this morning. Don't delay. We're not going anywhere. There's no hurry. We want to pray for you this morning. We want you to become a man or a woman of faith. After I pray, we'll begin to sing. Our prayer partners will be down front. I encourage you to come. So, Lord... We're not going back, we're moving ahead. We give this moment to you, we dedicate this time, this sacred moment to you. 
have your way in this place. I thank you for the people that have dedicated this new year to you, a year of faith and a year of opportunity and a year of taking new ground. And I also thank you for the life change that's happened with people dedicating their life to you. Have your way in this place as we dedicate it to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen.